So we're going to be a culture here of honor, gratitude, and then tonight, finally, generosity. We are going to be a culture of honor, gratitude, and generosity. That is going to be a part of our DNA. So if you're a part of the LWI family, this is a part of your DNA. This is going to be a part of who you are. Now, this does not mean that you run perfectly in all these lanes of honor, gratitude, and generosity, because if that were the case, I would fail miserably, and I wouldn't be able to lead you in any of this stuff. But, but Christ is my example. And so what we're going to do here is we're going to create a culture of honor, gratitude, and generosity. And a lot of the times, those things aren't felt, and they're not even, they're not even there, but we can create the culture. You create the culture. And so we're going to create a culture of generosity, and tonight... Uh, that's what we're going to be spending our, our time on, that concept, that word. Um, and, and the culture around us uh, is really warring against those things flourishing, if we're being honest. I mean, most, most of us, all we experience around us is not honor, gratitude, and generosity. It's qu- quite honestly the opposite of those things. It's dishonor. It's disrespect. It's unkindness. It's rudeness. It's selfishness. It's it's. It's uncontent, uncontentness, it's, it's covetousness, it's jealousy, it's envy. And then it's, it's just, it's, it's selfishness again. It's not generosity, it's like, it's me, it's all about me. Most of us, that's the culture warring against these things flourishing. That's a lot of what you and I experience when we go to school, when we are on our sports teams and our families, and then even when we're just by ourselves and it's just us with our own thoughts and our own feelings. But that's, that's what we're up against. Um, but, but we're called to be different. I mean, Paul speaks in in 2 Corinthians 10. Let me read you the message version. It won't be on the screens. I just want you to listen. Here's what he speaks to about a culture that is of the world that we are called to as as followers of Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus in here, this is the culture we are called to to combat. But this is what he says. The world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way, never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing and manipulation, but they're for demolishing that entirely massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers that are up against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. Let me read that one again. We are about... Smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers that are against the truth of God, and fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of the life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Paul speaks that out for 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6. That's his challenge. This is what we've got in front of us. So we're going to build this culture of generosity. We will be different. We will speak it, and then we'll live it. Because words create worlds. What you say today becomes who you are tomorrow. Culture is created, it's, it, language creates culture. So before we even fully can see it or tangibly see it, this goes principally all across the things in your life. Words create worlds. You're feeling a lot of negativity in your life? Start speaking some life over your negativity. If, you, if you're experiencing a lot of downness, start speaking out the, the things that you see that are God is doing that is, that's good. Words create worlds. Language creates culture, the very culture that is in your life personally or in this youth group. It's going to be created as we speak it out. What we say today becomes who we are tomorrow. So tonight I want to take a look at the third word that's going to help define our culture here at LWI. That's the word of generosity. If I were to ask you to be honest and to answer vulnerably, uh, what would your answer be to this? You don't have to say it out loud, but think about it. What would your answer be to this person, this question? Are you a generous person? 
Are you a generous person? What would, you, what, would your, what would your answer be? Are you a generous person? Would your best friends say yes about you? Would your siblings or siblings say yes about you to that question? Are you a generous person? Next question I want you, I want you to think about. Have you ever experienced generosity from somebody else towards you? Take yourself there to a moment. Think, think about, if you can for a second, a moment that you experienced generosity from somebody else towards you. Can you think of a moment there? There have been so many moments in my life that I experienced generosity from somebody towards me. And, and here's why I want to talk about it tonight. Generosity changes, changes the game. I mean, generosity has changed my life. When someone stepped out in generosity towards me, it changed my life. It, it, it literally has redirected my life in different, different seasons. There's a guy... His name is Jordan Schlegel. He's my best friend. I've got three best friends. Jordan Schlegel, who I'm going to talk about in just a second, Riley Silva, and Danny McPhail. Those are my three best friends. Um, they're all from different things in different seasons. But Jordan Schlegel um, is a stud. This young man, in fact, he'll be up here in a couple weeks. We're going to a Seahawks game together. It's going to be awesome. He's a, he's a diehard Seahawks fan. Lives in California. He's at the church that we were at in Modesto, California before coming up here. But this guy, I, there's so many stories about this guy. His life is marked by generosity. And for consistently, for five and a half years of me living in the same area as him, this was like, this was the work. This guy just constantly was, was being generous. And, and one of the first things, the first week when I got to the, to, the, to the church there, he didn't even know me. I didn't know him. But I had a pickup truck, and he needed to do something, a project for the church. So he, he asked if he could borrow my pickup truck. And I was like, ah, I don't know you. I don't trust you. But okay, I don't want to be the guy that says no on the first week. And everybody's like, this, who's this guy? This guy's a jerk. So I, I said, sure, yeah, take my truck, whatever. So he takes my truck and does the project and comes back. And the day goes on. And I get in the truck later that night to go home from work. And my gas is all the way full. And it was like almost on empty. In fact, I thought about that when he asked. And I was like, I don't want to tell him, but whatever. But homeboy went, did the project, and filled my gas tank up all the way. And then gave my keys back and didn't tell me about it. And I mean, just the simplest little thing. It's impacted me to this day. Like, he was so generous. He didn't have to do that. In fact, and he, and he didn't do it with any desire to be thanked or to want something in return. But it was just this little moment. He saw something in my life, and he figured out a way to be generous. There are so many stories in my life of people that have been generous to me that have impacted my life in, in massive ways. And you, you probably can think of some from your own life, somebody that was generous. G generosity is powerful. And I think a lot of the time we underestimate the power of generosity in our own lives. We underestimate the power of generosity in the lives of others through us. And there's a lot of reasons why we don't even think about it. There's a lot of excuses that we have. A lot of them are for, for different people in different seasons, justifiable or they are valid. But I want to try to dispel some of those tonight as we take a look at generosity. Because the culture that we, we are in, generosity is rare. Like you don't see this pretty, you don't see this daily. It's not very consistent that you see like out, outspoken, obvious examples of generosity in your life Selfishness and greed are incredibly obvious. We see it all the time, but man, generosity is rare. So why are we talking about generosity tonight? Here's the simple, here's the simple thing. It'll be up on the screen. Why we're talking about generosity is this. Generosity is one of the most effective ways to experience God's love and express God's love. We're talking about it because it's, it's one of the most effective ways you experience and then express the love of God. 2 Corinthians, again, in the chapter previously, Paul, Paul speaks to this idea of generosity, speaks to this idea of giving, speaks to this idea 
of what it means to be generous. And I want to read it to you. It'll be up on the screens. You can follow with me. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll be starting in verse 6. So go there if you have your Bibles. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. Paul's writing a letter to a bunch of church people who got a lot of issues. They got a lot of things backwards. They don't have it all, all together, but they're trying. They're trying. A lot of it, it's a lot of what, what we're in. We're in a group of people. We don't have it all together. We're imperfect. There's a lot of flaws, but we're trying. Jesus has changed our life. We're wanting to grow. We're wanting to, to know more about God. We're interested about this whole kind of thing, but, but we, got, we don't have a lot of things figured out. So Paul speaks to a lot of things. He's his father in the faith, this, this guy named Paul, and he writes, writes them a letter because they did not have all the stuff we got back then. Obviously, he's writing them a letter to encourage them and to challenge them. And here's one of the things that he challenges them with about generosity. Here we go. Verse 6 in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, Paul says, the point is this. Anytime there's something like that in Scripture, Listen about, listen to what's coming next. Because someone's like, here's what I'm trying to say. The point is this. The bottom line is this. Here we go. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As, is it, as it is written, he has distributed freely, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, ready? He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched Everybody say enriched. And if you, if you have a Bible, paper Bible with you or a digital Bible and you can underline it, I want you to circle or underline that word, whatever it is in your translation. Enriched is what it is in my translation. If you've got to circle that, enriched in every way, ready, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval, I'm going to stop actually right there. No, I'll keep going. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let's pray for a moment. Father, speak to us tonight. Challenge our hearts, encourage us, and help us see this differently than we're looking at it right now. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We're ready to listen to what you want to say. In your name we pray. Amen. So generosity. I want to break down generosity into two components tonight because I think it'll help us digest it a little bit more when we think about it through our context as high school students and leaders a little bit more palatable, a little bit more tangible. Generosity is broken down two components tonight. because, uh, And here's, here's how we're going to break it down. Generosity is made up of attitude and action. There's an attitude of generosity, and then there's an action of generosity. Those, that's the two components we're going to take a look at. The, the attitude is, is the heart. It's the heart. It's the, it's the posture of your heart. That's, that's the first component that it's made of. And the attitude of generosity is love. So attitude and action, the attitude of generosity is love. That's the, that's the posture of your heart. That's where, that's where it starts. That's the foundation. That's the source. That's where it comes from. And we're going to take, take a look and see that coming from God, our Father. 
in just a little bit, but the, the attitude of generosity is love. The action of generosity is giving. So the attitude is love, and then the action of generosity is giving. And two components. Both of those components are 100% necessary for true and genuine uh, generosity to take place. There cannot be one without the other for it to be true and genuine. And to understand the attitude and action of generosity, what we got to know is that the culture around us and, and sometimes in us stands in opposition of those two things. Because we've all grown up in a culture that really resists generosity. It's resisting it. Like, they don't, we, don't, we don't want to give. We don't want to love. It, it's not, it's, there's, a, there's a protect me. I got to keep my stuff. I got I to gotta make sure I'm good. I want what I want. I want to feel good. I want to feel comfortable. I want to feel safe. I want to look good. Me. Our culture is so resistant to generosity. And we got to understand that the culture we live in is really an anti-generosity world of what I can get and take and keep. I get and I take and I keep. I'm watching Weston, our three-year-old now, uh, learn how to discover relationship with his younger brother. It's a beautiful thing. Like, it's like you can, you, it is is absolutely beautiful because, like, you, you start to see from a very young age, like, how man has fallen. (laughs) <laughs> like, Weston would be playing with all his stuff, like, just dialed in. Got it, he's been working on it for, for minutes, like, stacking it all up. Minutes for a little kid that was, like, eternity. So they've been working on it a long time. Bo will walk in the picture. He's starting to walk now. He's, like, one years old, so he's kind of just waddling over and, like, see something, like, on the opposite side of the room, completely nowhere near Weston, nothing even associated with what he's playing with. And Bo will pick it up and start to play with it, and the moment Weston sees and notices that Bo's got something that he doesn't, he immediately runs over, takes the thing Bo has, and then runs back and puts it in his pile of all of his stuff, and Bo's got nothing. We live like that sometimes. I mean, we got all this stuff. We're blessed. We've been provided for, and we see something somebody else has got. We see something somebody else is doing, and we, we we all of a sudden forget all of our stuff is anything good, and we go, oh, this is trash. I want what they've got. We leave our pile of all of our stuff, and we run over, and we want what they've got. That's the culture that, that we live in. And for, for a lot of us, that's a lot of how we, 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 we act, and we behave, and we feel. But a new godlike culture has got to continually replace the old worldly culture that is in us. So let's talk, talk for, for a moment more about that second component of giving, because I think this is the one where people really struggle, where I really struggle, where I, I see our generation really struggle. The heart is there. Oh, yeah, I love them. I want them to be succeeding. I want them to be blessed. I want them to be, have their needs met. My heart is there. I love them. The, the attitude of generosity is almost in every single one of you. I know it. A lot of us there. But then, but then is the next step of the action where a lot of us go, it's like a lot of different reasons why I'm not actually going to give, though. So I want to talk about giving. I want to talk because I think this is the thing that at least the Lord's challenging me the most with, and I, want, I think he wants to challenge you the most with. I want to take, take you to John 3.16. And a lot of you know that scripture, the most famous scripture of the entire Bible, to the point that when we hear it now, we don't even think about what it really means because it's something we've been saying since for a lot of us we were little kids. But for those that aren't in the church, you probably also have heard this a hundred times. You've seen it in football games on, fo- on big old signs or you, you heard people say it. But John three sixteen. 
says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved, he gave. God loved, so he gave. For God so loved, he gave. Let's take a couple steps back for a moment. Let's think about this from a big, from macro level, like way up, you're in a satellite, you're, no, you're not in a satellite, you are in a spaceship where satellites are, you're looking at earth from like a macro level, thinking about the concept of God. Let's take a step, step back. Okay, so, so God, right? Take a moment. Just think about God. God is, we believe God is real. We believe that God created the world. He created you. We believe he's perfect. Let's, so God, okay? God and all of his godness. Think about him for a second. Perfect in all things. He's his own source of power. He's not tapping into anything else to give him what he needs. He has all that he needs in and of himself, and it never runs out. It's unbelievable. All sufficient. All powerful, holy, mighty, righteous. Creates a perfect world, gives people freedom to choose him. They choose to trust in themselves over him, Adam and Eve, sin. They fall. Sin enters the the, the picture, messes things up for a long time. But God loves. And he loves people so much that he chose to do something about it. His love is what motivated him to, to create a rescue plan, a rescue mission, to get his kids back. And I love this for someone said this once. What, sum, sum up the Bible, they said. Sum up the Bible in one sentence. I love this. It's something that stuck me. One sentence. What is the Bible? God gets his kids back. I love that. It is, the whole Bible summed up. God gets his kids back. I love that. So God loves. So what does he do? God loves people so much, he chooses to do something about it, and then God ultimately does something that no one else could do. He makes a move to redeem and to save mankind, and he expresses the ultimate act of love in the history of the world. How? He gives. This is God. God could do any, he could do anything to express the love that he's got for his people. He could like, he could like do a literal big God hug on the, on the world. Like, God could, if you wanted, like, I'm thinking, I'm God, I'm going to just make sure you all know I love you, I'm going to hug you, I'm going to hug the world. I'm gonna, I'm, literally, I'm thinking, like, God, I'm thinking the globe, I'm thinking, like, a big person, arms around the globe, I'm going to express my love, I'm a, I'm a physical touch guy, I just, I'm learning that more and more as we're married and all this stuff, just, here's a big hug, I love you. Or individual, one-on-one hugs, God just, because he's God, he could be everywhere at one time, he's just coming around every single person, I love you, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll hug you, I love you. No, but he doesn't do that. He could, he could make us just all feel that way. He could say, what does he do? How, what does he, God, God, what does God do to demonstrate? He loves us. He gives. That's what he chooses to do. That's the means of what God chooses to do to demonstrate to the entire world that he loves us. He gives. He gives us Jesus. I, I just, I mean, for whatever reason, I've, I've thought about that for a long time, but that just been blowing my mind recently. The guy could have done anything, but he chose to give. That's the model he chose. It's so powerful to me that that's the way that the God that created the world demonstrated it, the greatest act of love ever, and we will ever see through giving. So when we give, we are like God. When, we're get, when we give, we are, we are following the model of our God, of our creator, in a way that is demonstrated like nothing else. Generosity is about loving and giving without expecting anything in return. 
Gen true generosity is about loving and giving without expecting anything in return. To love without the promise of love return. How many of you know that's really tough to do? Anybody? That could just be me. But to love somebody without the guarantee that they're going to love me back is tough. Risky. I did it for like four years when I was pursuing Holly. And she just hummed as we kissed. It was super awkward. <laughs> I'm a terrible youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> to love without the promise of being loved in return. To give without the promise of getting anything back. That's true generosity. And, and that's exactly what, what God did through sending us Jesus, right? We see in Romans 8, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Like while we were still messed up royally, like just messed up. We weren't perfect. We hadn't got all of our Bible verses memorized yet. We hadn't come to church a bunch of times. We hadn't like stopped talking the way we talk or lying to the people we've been lying to or stopped doing the things in the dark that nobody knows that we're doing except for us and that other person or looking at those things that nobody knows we're looking at except for us. Like while we were doing all of that, God said, I love you enough that even in all that, Christ is still going to come and die for you. And you don't have to get yourself all cleaned up and all put together for Christ to die for you and for you to be able to accept that incredible gift of salvation that I'm giving you because I love you. That's powerful. There's not a lot of love like that in our culture and in our lives that's demonstrated. A lot, a lot of our love is conditional. I will love you if I know you will love me. I will give to you if I know there's something connected to the other side of my giving that will benefit me that you'll give me something back, that you'll like me more, that you'll accept me more, that you'll stop rejecting me, then I'll give. Man, I'm constantly challenged by this truth, though, when it comes to giving. And this is something that God has just, he's been wrecking me with. In fact, it's something that he's really doing more personal to me in this season for this next year of my life, I know. And it's this, this idea that, that I am, that you are, a steward, not an owner. You're a steward, not an owner. Here's, what I, here's, here's, how, here's how I'll help kind of break this down. Um, when it comes to generosity, most of the time, the first thing I'm thinking about is why I can't. Like, okay, okay, I love people, or I, I, I love them. That's my attitude. My posture of my heart is love. Um, but then the action is giving. Okay, but I can't do that. I don't have anything. Um, I don't know if you know me, Chase, but, like, I don't have anything. I'm... I don't have a lot of money, I don't have a lot of time, I don't have a lot of experience, I don't have anything to be generous with, so I can't be generous, I can't, I can't give, I don't have anything. That's like the number one, uh, number one excuse that I hear. That's the number one excuse that I have had most of my life when it comes to being a generous person or not. I don't have yet. When I have some stuff, I will be generous then. Like once I get some money and I stop spending all my Chick-fil-A paycheck back into Chick-fil-A for more Chick-fil-A sandwiches, then... I will have the ability to be generous. But let me, tell you, let me tell you a truth. It's not about what you don't have. Sorry, it's not about what you have. God has never been held back by what you have. What you have means nothing when it comes to God being able to use you or not to be generous. I think about the little boy that had the loaves and the fish. When Jesus has got this 
massive mountain of people to feed. They're starving. They've been following him. They're like, we're so hungry. We're like, we gotta, you got to feed us. And all of his disciples are like, Jesus, we got to go feed these people. Because they're going to they're gonna take us out if we don't get them some food. And all of a sudden, this little boy, they, all, all they have was this little guy had like, had just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread, and Jesus goes, cool, I'll take what you've got, I'll multiply it, and then we'll, miracles will happen, and everybody's going to be fed. It's not about, it's not about your, your lack. It's about what you do have. What are you doing with what you do have? Generosity is not about an abundance of resource. It's, it's about a posture of heart. Like, you, you don't have to wait until, okay, cool, I'll get done with school, I have a job, and then I can be generous, and then God, the chase, I will be generous once I have some stuff, I, I have some stuff to be generous with. Like, no, that's not, that is not at all biblically, biblically principled or based. It's a posture of heart. It's not an amount of resource. Generosity is not connected to amount of resource. It's connected to your, your, your heart's posture, your, your availability. What are you doing with what you do have? That's what matters. And that's the thing that God's challenging me with because all the time I go, God, if you will do this for me, then I will be able to do this for you. You okay back there? <laughs> We're going to get new seats one day. But I hear high school students all the time, but I can't give. I don't have anything. And, man, I'm, I, I'm, I want to challenge you. You have something. What are you doing with that something? How is God using that something for other people to bless them and express his love? A steward says, it's not mine. I've just been entrusted with it. Whereas an owner says, it's mine. I own it. I get to decide what I do with it, where I go with it. It's easy to get and to take and to keep when something of mine or something, of, or something that might be mine has been taken from me. So when you think about this as an owner, it's so easy for you to go, Get, take, keep. It's actually easier, though, to give, give back, and share when I was only stewarding the things that I've been given because they were never really mine to begin with. So we got to take a look at three things tonight that you have in your possession that we will have our entire lives to steward. And you all know what I mean, what I mean when I say steward? You take care of it. It's not yours, but you have the ability to administrate it. You have the ability to make sure that it's going where it needs to go. It's not yours, but it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a responsibility that you have to be able to steward it to the best of its ability. And it's not something that, like, like I think about, um, I, I, I should have thought of a better example. I'll keep going because I have, I have another example that might help it a little bit more later. But we are stewards, not owners. That's the point. You've been entrusted with three things. Ready? Three things I want us to take a peel, peeled back look at tonight and then go, God, what do you want to do with these three things in my life? With what I do have. Because I don't want you to walk out of here and be like, okay, cool, that was cool. People have been generous to me. I've been generous like once, but I can't really be generous right now because I don't have anything to be generous with. There's three things that we want to look at. You probably heard it before, but let's just take a practical look at it tonight. We've been entrusted with these three things. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. Time, talent, treasure. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of that phrasing before, time, talent, treasure. Anybody else in here? A couple people? Cool. It's just, a, it's just a, a way to help you remember the three areas that you have to be generous in with your life because generosity changes the game, because generosity changes people's lives, because generosity is the most effective way for you to experience the love of God for yourself and for you to express the love of God to others. Time, talent, treasure. 
Because you're sitting here going, Chase, I don't have any money. So if you're about to sit here and talk to me about giving money, I don't have any. I don't work. My parents pay for some things, but most of the time they can't or they don't. And so I have to scrape by birthday money and Christmas money and put it all together to get anything. Everybody's in a different place in a different season. But there's three, there's three areas. So let's talk about the first one, time. Again, think about it, think, thinking about it this way. We are not owners. We are stewards. The first area we have to be a steward of, it's our time. Man, it's got a full battery, so I don't know if it's just something over here. Time. How many of you in here are busy? Anybody? Oh, yep. I feel you. Right? I haven't, I, I don't know the last time I had a conversation with somebody and I was like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, good. Um, I just feel like I got a bunch of extra time I don't know what to do with it. Anybody, have you had one of those conversations really? How are you doing? Like, what's going on? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm good. I just don't, I've got so much extra time. Like, it's, like, it's a hair that just like floated onto my faux beard. <laughs> I haven't had a conversation like that uh, ever. No, here's our conversations. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm busy. So busy. Like, it's crazy. Like, all this stuff, this homework, this thing here, this sports. I had to go over here this last week and boom, boom, boom. I'm, I'm good, but I'm busy or I'm tired. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I've got so much I got to do. It feels like it doesn't stop piling up on top of each other. Does anybody feel that? Anybody get that feeling sometimes? Like all the things just keep stacking up and it doesn't get lighter. What in the world is happening? But time, I believe, is, one of, is probably the most valuable resource that you have to be generous with. And a lot of the time, what happens is we don't steward our time well. And so our time dictates to us what it's going to do rather than us dictating to our time what it's going to do for us. We need to be able to look at our time with more of a value. Like we all, we all value money a lot because it's like the resource that like helps us do all the things we want to do and get the things we want. But time is more valuable than money. You can't, time has no price tag. You can't buy yourself more time. Like our time, we all have expiration dates. Like it's, we're all going to die one day. But while we're here, what are you doing with your time? And how can you use your time to be generous? Because maybe you don't have a bunch of extra money. Maybe you don't have any money at all. Maybe your parents don't have any money. Maybe it's a struggle to get food on the table. Maybe it's a struggle to get a ride somewhere. Maybe it's a struggle to go to a $50 conference. All of these things. You're like, I can't even go. My parents can't. But, but you have something else. So maybe if you don't have money, you have something else that you can be generous with. It's time. I think about my buddy Jordan, back when we first moved in, uh, this guy all throughout our five and a half years where we lived in Modesto. Like, I don't know what it was. He just always found a way. He was busier than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. But for some reason, this guy always found a way when I needed him just to help me with something. He was there. He just, he just, I mean, he, he just, the guy was unbelievable. He just so showed me and modeled to me. Like, and, and he didn't have a bunch of money either. But with what he did have, he chose to steward and he stewarded his time to be generous a lot. You have, you have the ability to tell your time how to work for you rather than you work for your time. And we got to get better at stewarding that. Time. Time is one resource. The next one, your talent. Maybe you don't have a bunch of money right now to bless or steward or whatever, but maybe God's gifted you with some things, an ability to do things. How are you being generous with the gifts that God's given you, your talent, 
That's, that is a, that's a resource. I mean, I think about people that say, you know what? God's gifted me with the ability to play music, or God's gifted me with the ability to create art, or God's gifted me with the, the, the ability to, to, to be kind and connect with people. So I'm going to take that gift, and I'm going to steward it to be generous to somebody else into an environment that's going to go make an impact for God's love. Some of us, it's, it's our talent. What can you do in your gifts and your talents to express God's love to people? How are you stewarding your talent? The final one is treasure. Your time, your talent, your treasure. Money. <laughs> I was, I've heard and saw like a little flame just. <laughs> uh, you, you, you heard it earlier in the service. And if you've been here any other weeks besides this week, we do this every week except for the rare occasion. Well, we, we give you guys an opportunity to give tithe which is a 10% or an offering, just something. Because the Bible talks about money all the time. I don't care about money like I don't, for, from you. I, I care about money in my own self. In fact, it's something that God's had to really work some things out of me because, man, I, there's times where I get tripped out about money. I just got to make sure I've got enough to provide, to protect, to whatever. I like numbers, all that stuff. But when it comes to you guys, you got you to gotta know, honest to, honest to the Lord here. He knows my heart. Hopefully you can see it. This, in, in those moments, I, I, don't care about, I don't care about your money. Like, that's not the point. The point is an opportunity for you to trust God in, in a way that is really hard to trust him in. Like, our treasure is connected to our heart. And so we want to give you an opportunity every week to say, like, God, I don't have a lot, but I want to trust you with this. There's five bucks here. I got, someone gave me a $50 check unexpectedly this last week, so God, 10% of that's five bucks. I want to just honor you with it. Thank you. I trust you. Here you go. With no expectation of return. We don't give so God blesses us more. That can happen, and it does happen, but that's not why we do it. But, man, there's, there's something. Let me tell you, this generation, y'all got something, right? Or you come across something when it comes to money at some point. It is the rarest thing ever when somebody takes what they do have in your generation, in my generation, when it comes to, to money, and they're generous with it. It's crazy. Like, it doesn't ha- It's so rare when someone's like, I, I want to give this. Whoa, 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 you're 16. You want, to, you want to give 20 bucks to that person? You want to, you want to give 20 bucks to, to this ministry or to this need? You're 16. You need that. Gas, food, anything, new clothes, whatever. There's not a lot of 16-year-olds that are going like, hey, I got an extra 20 bucks that my grandma gave me for my birthday. I feel like I'm supposed to give it to somebody. I remember there was a, whenever I was a junior in high school, our youth ministry had this thing called Speed the Light. It's an organ- missions organization. Some of you, my AG people are in here. You know what I'm talking about. Speed the Light was a missions organization just for youth ministries to basically say, we're going to raise money to help missionaries get uh, transportation and, and equipment to go spread the gospel around the world. So we would give every week to Speed the Light. We did this challenge. It was eight weeks. And our youth pastor said, I want you all to consider giving for eight weeks straight to this, to this project. Pray about it. Whatever. God put a certain amount on my heart, and it was an amount that I did not have. I wasn't able to do it. There was no way. I was working at Chick-fil-A was not making that much money. I joked about buying, I, I paid a lot for Chick-fil-A food after I worked there. It was, it was not good. I, I wasted a lot of money on Chick-fil-A. Sorry, I stewarded a lot of money at Chick-fil-A. But I had a number. God put it on my heart. And, um, and so I stepped, out, I stepped out in faith. And I didn't say anything to anybody about the number, but it was a faith number. It was like I did not ever give this amount of money before. 
Um, and I was, I was passionate about it. I worked extra. I worked on the weekends and some, some yards and walking dogs and a bunch of other things. I, still was, I was still short a decent amount. One day, an envelope came in uh, to Chick-fil-A. Someone came by and dropped off an envelope and just had my name on it. And this was like on week seven of the eight-week thing. And a uh, manager said, hey, someone brought an envelope for you. Um, we put it in the back so when you're off, you can go check it out, whatever. So I got it, and it just had my name on it, and it just had, it had a, a bunch of cash in it. And, and honest, it was the exact amount left that I needed to fulfill the pledge that I had made to giving to missions. And nobody knew my amount. I wasn't broadcasting my amount to anybody. God put it on my heart. I stepped out in faith. I was working to meet it. But then this envelope came with cash with the exact amount of money. I kid you not. And it was like in 20s and like in like a five. It was like not your normal like. It was like the way it was all broken up. Crazy. Here's what happened in my heart though. I was like, oh. So God, you're totally lining all this stuff up. But I could really use this money <laughs> for some other stuff. And like, maybe, God, you're blessing me with this because I've been faithful <laughs> to, to give. Maybe you're just saying, here you go. But, but the way the exact amount lined up, I knew in my heart, this was the Lord saying, I, I got you, but I also, want, I also want you to continue with what you've stepped out in faith for. And so I did. And I, I'll be honest, I almost didn't. Okay? I don't want to act like I'm super spiritual up here. And like I was like, yeah, I totally not. I, I fought it all the way until the final Sunday when I came and I turned it in. But I knew God had lined it up. And so I gave. Fulfilled the pledge or whatever. Um, cool end of the story there is that I found out years later that that person who came and brought that envelope was my wife. I had no idea. I remember talking about it in a setting later. And she's like, that was, I, I gave that was actually me. I, I, I had no idea. I mean, we, we were friends then, and I liked her up to that point, but we were not even on the same wavelength at that point. I was a junior. But God had spoken to her about giving to me. Crazy. Here's the point. Generosity changes people's lives. And I want to believe that this generation is willing to say yes to God, even with being generous with their treasure with money that they don't feel like they even have. But I want to believe that God wants to use you, use that, use that effort of generosity for you to, here, in that moment took place, I'll tell you what, I experienced more of God's love in that moment than I had in a lot of other moments. That generosity helped me experience the love of God. I mean, when I stepped out to give, and then all of a sudden God brought a miraculous provision to help me keep giving, I was like, whoa, God's real. Whoa, God takes care of me. Whoa, God's got my back. This is amazing. I, my, my, my faith in God was deepened. And then the people that that money went to to go help spread the gospel, it, it expressed God's love to them. It's crazy how the economy of God works. I'm giving, so in man's eyes, I'm losing, but I'm actually gaining because I'm, I'm getting more of God's love. I'm experiencing more of his, his love to generosity. And then that person on the other side is benefiting. It's, it's mind-blowing how God's economy can work. Generosity changes people's lives. We're going to be a culture of generosity here at LWY. How generous are you? How does God want to shift the way you think about generosity? Maybe even tonight. Stewardship. 
Because it's all God's anyway. All my time, all of my gifts and talents, all of my treasure, it's all his. It's actually all God's. He lets me have it. He let, I think about this all the time, like I, legitimately, like I, the very breath that I have in my mouth and my lungs to speak to you right now is not mine. It's from him. He gives me the very breath I have, which is even crazier when you think about the people that, that blaspheme him or don't believe in him yet, and they curse him. I think about some of my atheist friends who would use the very breath that God gives them to, to hate him, but God still loves him, right? The very breath that we have in our lungs is not yours. It's from God. Everything we have is from him. It's a gift from the Father. We're just stewards with what he's given us. How are you stewarding right now? The things that he's given you, your time, your talent, your treasure. As we're wrapping up here, I'm going to invite Jude back to the keys to wrap up our time together. True and genuine uh, generosity will cost you something. True and genuine generos generosity will cost you something. It, there, will be, there will be some sting to it. You know what I mean? Like, like there will be some, some degree of like you have, to, you have to give something. But it's worth it. Because what, we, we, what I mentioned earlier is that God made the ultimate demonstration of generosity in giving us Jesus. Man, I can't, that is, that is, that is it for me. Like, that's the take home, is that God's, that's, that was his way of going, you know what, you want to know how I love you? I'm going to give. Here you go. Here's my perfect son, the one whom I love, who will come and live a perfect life. He will die a brutal death so that you can believe in him, be saved, have eternal life, have life abundant now. And that's the, that's what he chose to express, and he expressed it to us through Christ. And so, when I think about a breakdown in generosity, where it all starts is a breakdown in un un under not understanding the generosity that God's given towards us. So I'm going to take us to a moment of just having a reflection of just knowing that, like, if you don't understand how generous God has been towards you in his son Jesus, this stuff is all kind of in vain. It's all kind of behavior modification. It's all kind of like, I can, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be a good person to love people and give. But if it doesn't come from the source that is from the Father's generosity towards you first, and it all will kind of fade away. So for a moment, I want to pray with you, and I, I want to just give you an opportunity to respond, and we'll, we'll wrap things up here together tonight. But will you close your eyes for a moment? I want people, when they walk into this place, without even talking to anybody, feel the culture of generosity. I'm, man, I'm, I, this, this, the culture of generosity will change your friend groups. I mean, if you just rolled up and you're like, you know what, friend, God put you on my heart. I was praying for you at youth group last night. I feel like I'm supposed to give you 20 bucks. I don't know what the need is. I don't know, I don't know but I just feel like I'm supposed to give it to you. And, and here's, the, here's the point. God loves you, and he's got your back. He's going to provide for you. I don't, know, I don't know what it might be for you. But man, I, I'm telling you, once we start to catch, catch this, this generosity thing, it'll, it'll change you and it'll change the lives of the people around you. We've got to be a culture of honor, gratitude, and generosity.